Hello and welcome to the Dave Can Beer Podcast. My name's Sean and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Boff. Miss Boff, my man, how are we? I'm good, Sean. I'm good, but I'm I'm in a bit of like an energy dip simultaneously from the week of work, but also from the highs of the first few days of free agency, mm. which we covered on episode 157 of the Deep Two NBA podcast. Uh, and now we're in like a, we're, in, we're in like a four or five day run where nothing has happened. So mm. I'm feeling a bit anticlimactic, but luckily I've got this red can, this red <laughs> tin of coconut sugar here to pack me up. Yeah, I actually said it on the pod. I said like. You know, Dante, let's talk about all this stuff and obviously talk about things that have happened, but there's going to be a moment where, the, you know, this will probably be, rel- be relevant for about a day, but, you know, we're completely wrong. Like, the, the episode we recorded last week, which you can still check out, is 100% still relevant, and we're talking about the stuff that people are still talking about. Like, what's happened since then? Gorju Zheng signed with the... Gorju Zheng signed with the Spurs. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. Signed with Vietnam. <laughs> <in. Um, laughs> yeah, nothing else. We, we were expecting a Durant trade in like the two or three day mm. kind of timeline and then yesterday reports started coming out that the Nets are telling everyone that they'll just hold on to him into training camp if mm. they don't like the offers mm. uh, which as a podcast that generally feeds on the news cycle bad for us <laughs> very bad for mm. us well pretty good there is quite a lot of news coming out we're not we're not we're not empty of Kevin Durant news. In fact, yeah, we've well, got a segment. Also, <laughs> like more specifically for me as a Suns fan, bad news because mm. I just want that. To well, happen. You, you've had some good news where it's like yeah, bringing bringing back Pierce McBiombo, signing Damian Lee. Is that, sort of, is that good news? Yeah, because you haven't committed any money. You've just you've just tried to trade Jake Crowder, yeah. sign minimums. Yeah, Pierce McBiombo with Chris Paul will have like a PR of like 35 who'll be the best centre in the league and then without Chris Paul it'll be like oh that's why Pierce McBiombo is out in the league <laughs> yeah um, I love that though that's that's so good yeah well you know who's to thank for that that's your mate my mate Devin Booker no C- 2K23 cover athlete CP nonce <laughs> <laughs> um, the other cool thing just on just on, on, on a little Suns tangent is that Jock Landau now plays mm. for the Suns. And I didn't watch a single Spurs game last season, so I haven't seen him work in the NBA, but going to be amazing to root for a Australian. An Australian. Especially yeah. an Australian who doesn't seem like a complete fucking idiot um, because there are a few of those in the world at the moment. <laughs> Think about this, though. Seriously. Ben Simmons, obviously an idiot. Uh-huh. Um, Kyrie Irving, born in Melbourne. Don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Did Obviously. he play for Australia in the Olympics? No, no, no he didn't. He didn't, yeah. he didn't. Matisse, anti-vaxxer. Mm. Nick Kyrgios, mm. assaulted his ex-girlfriend. Mm. Not Famous not, basketball player, Nick Kyrgios. No, but, but, but Australian, Australian, mate, it's the off-season. Yeah. Australian in the spotlight, not going very well. Jock Landau, a lot of, a lot rests on your shoulders. Let Jock. me be the Australian I want to see in yeah, the world. Jock Landau, it's like you're a 5 out of 10, but you've just got no out there outlying <laughs> opinions. No, but also Paddy Mills, arguably like the best person in the world. Joe Ingles, great guy. Uh, you know, could be, could could win a championship this year. Also, Paddy Mills just like cashed out again, like get the bag. Um, there there are there are good things. Yeah, but I've never, never been exactly rooting for... Ingles or Mills in the in the league. More, more, more the Olympics. More um, the Olympics. Jack White, uh, power forward slash small forward who who debuted for the Boomers in our qualifying games is playing on the Denver Nuggets summer league roster. Well, on that point, there's three NBL players who are on the Suns summer league roster. Yeah, also, yeah. also, um, there's a lot of NBL players all over. The surely, surely you get a, a Luke Travers uh, Cavs jersey. Why? Well, because he's Australian and he's got a mullet and he's in the NBA. <laughs> he's in the That's NBA it. Summer League. <laughs> nah, he, he got drafted. I think he was pick 56. True, true. On the Perth Wildcats. Yeah, yeah. He was working out for Indiana. I remember seeing him working out. Six yeah. foot eight guard. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was supposedly genuinely very good um, for the Wildcats. Yeah, right. Obviously, you had to be to get drafted. So, <laughs> anyway, could be your next uh, novelty jersey purchase. Yeah, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to hold back on them. As you know, I've bought in quite a few novelty jerseys. Bought, bought 
Yeah, okay, no, I just missed work. I'm not even going to try to cover that. But I've bought a few uh, novelty jerseys, and man, I reckon they've I reckon they've been worn probably twice. Once was yeah. with you when we played basketball, and yeah. I was wearing my Emmanuel Moutier. Yeah, and then the other was just was that was that a Collingwood? Yeah, Collingwood yeah. Open run. Yeah, where um, the stars descend on the local YMCA, <laughs> but only once every couple of months when uh, when the chat's popping. But yeah. Should we talk about, uh, no good segues there, Kevin Durant. Um, we, we mentioned at the top of the podcast that he has requested a trade, and while a trade hasn't happened, there's been a few little tidbits seeping through in the basketball commentary yet. Um, I'll start off with something that I think is the, the, the biggest discussion point, is that um, the, the Toronto Raptors, who were referred to as what was a lurker or like a, a dark lurker or some some weird way to say that they're a dark horse, um, that the Toronto Raptors are unwilling to include Scotty Barnes in any trade for Kevin Durant, coming from Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. Um, I assume this means Scotty, Scotty Barnes plus, you know, Pascal Siakam, but also Scotty Barnes plus Celery Filler, whatever whatever shape that may take. Um, what, what are your thoughts here when you hear that Scotty Barnes isn't going to be included? I think two things. First of all, I think that's fair enough because if you... Obviously, he won rookie of the year. He looked unreal mm. if you're the Raptors and you think that he has a chance to be really 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 good and you get to keep him for the next say eight eight years yeah eight years minimum mm. <clears throat> um, then trading for Durant who has four years left but will probably only let's say let's say he's got two good years left like two elite years left then the math doesn't really add up so fair enough and I think the second thing is that they still definitely have enough ammunition outside of Scotty Barnes to get this done if they decide they want to because mm-hmm. every single one of their starting five has like pretty decent amount of trade value because you've got an all NBA all-star wing in Siakam mm-hmm. who a year ago his trade value was way down but he just turned in a really good season particularly mm-hmm. the second half of the season Ananobi with his perpetually higher trade value Fred Van Vliet <laughs> was a first time all-star and Gary Trent Jr. is like the archetypal 3D wing on a reasonable contract so if, if you don't want to include Barnes, you've still got four players who, who you can get to Durant's salary number, throw in a few picks, mm. um, you know, and, and Siakam is probably the best all-star player who's available, <coughs> like it, potentially down to Siakam or Brandon Ingram, whoever you prefer. But if if Jalen Brown's involved, I think Jalen Brown definitely but is I don't, the best player. I don't think that that's... I don't think that, that the Celtics will do that, particularly not after the Brogdon trade. I think they're just going for like incredible, incredible depth, yeah, and they're look, not going to consolidate. I get, I get that, but I think a deal can be done where it is simply just Brown for KD plus maybe some picks um, heading out heading out from um, from the Celtics. But like Jalen Brown has one year remaining on his deal. He's probably not going to sign an extension because he's all he's, he's eligible for the the supermax if he makes an All NBA team next season, which like yeah. He arguably should have won, should have made an All NBA team over Pascal Siakam this year. So, like, if he doesn't sign an extension, all of a sudden he's an expiring deal, uh, heading into you know heading into free agency next year, where he could just leave if he doesn't like what he sees. I just think it. I think the Celtics should be a little bit louder in this in this discussion, where maybe they could maybe even ask for something a little bit back in return, because this could be at a worst 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 case scenario, Jalen Brown just walks, which we've have we have no indication of that happening. Um, but at a you know a best case scenario, you make the trade. Your title favourites tomorrow if you make this trade. But aren't they already like among the two or three favourites for the title right now? Yeah. Like, would you? That that's the counter argument, which is very good. Yeah, like like they they just made the finals and they added Brogdon, who just gives them like another steady option offensively mm. who is a pretty good fit for them offensively and defensively just gives them like another bigger body who can defend one through three yeah yeah uh, like I, I don't really see any reason to rock the boat you don't you don't do something absolutely seismic when you when you're, when you're that there. close you're on the precipice like yeah, yeah. Adding, K, K, adding KD on paper would make them better but like who knows with the young guys on this team like particularly the Jays but also some of the other guys that have kind of come up together like adding getting rid of a 25 year old guy who's like been there for his whole NBA career and is like good with mm. everybody on the on the the list on the roster <laughs> um so Just, you can add a 33 seem to be 34 year old like megastar like mm. the, the chemistry issues there are potentially 
multiple. Just, and I don't think just that it's mere, worth the risk. Don't shoot the devil who's advocating. Um, <laughs> I completely agree with everything you said. But going back to the Scotty Barnes thing, um, if if Scotty Barnes is in any deal, I say the Nets just jump on that immediately. Because even if you get four first round picks from Phoenix or four, four first round picks from from Miami and you know Tyler Hero or, or Mikael Bridges, like. I don't think any of those single assets are as good as um, maybe even Pascal Siakam, but definitely nowhere as good as the next seven years of Scotty Barnes. So, um, yeah, I think that's completely fair enough for the Raptors. Uh, maybe Scotty Barnes is actually like a sneaky, incredible trade asset right now. You know how Bill Simmons always does his trade, or he used to do his trade value contract, um, his trade value articles, and it was always like, you know, a rookie year, Anthony Davis is at the top of there, or LeBron James. Um, Scotty Barnes might be like right at the top of trade value at the moment. Yeah, well, he definitely would be right up there, but he's also still kind of like a bit of an enigmatic player in that there are... Like, yes, he won Rookie of the Year and got the recognition for that over Mobley, but it was very close. And there's like Mm -hmm. a not insignificant section of the NBA media that seem to think that Scotty Barnes actually isn't still isn't going to end up being that good. Mm -hmm. Um, They must be listening to different guys. (laughs) I think it's more just the open-endedness of it and the question mark. Yeah. Which makes it exciting. What's the best non-Barnes trade offer that's like not an overpay for Toronto like you would assume that you would assume that you would say take your pick of Siakam or Ananobi no I think I think it has to have Siakam in it Mm. Um, just because he if you want to outbid people he's going to be the best player coming back Um, I would say you try and keep OG Ananobi um, and throw in Gary Trent Um, Siakam Trent that gets you to Durant's number. Mm. And then they've got all their future picks, I believe. They, they just gave one out to get um, Thaddeus Young, which is still puzzling even after re-signing him. But, so they've got, all the, they've, got, they've got all their future drafts. Siakam, Trent, and two unprotected firsts with Mal- two swaps. Malachi Flynn as well, if you love him. Yeah, but you probably don't. <laughs> oh, I reckon, look, if you're Brooklyn, you probably love anything they, that's young. Toronto doesn't want to send out guards. They want to send out centers. Mm, but they also want to win the trade. But do you reckon that team, um, that team without Siakam and Gary Trent, do you reckon that team wins an NBA championship or is it at least a, a top three in your eyes? No, because, like, Siakam last season was their best player there's a case to be made that that won't be the case within two years because Ananobio Barnes will surpass him. But, like, a big three of Barnes who's not yet optimised and Durant and Van Vliet, I don't, I don't think that that's better than, like, the Bucks or, mm. like, what the Celtics have. Like, I think that would be a lock for a top four spot. But yeah. then you're kind of having the conversation we had the other day about Minnesota where it's like, that's the move, and I think not, this team would have a higher ceiling than a Rudy Gobert um, Wolves team. I think they'd be a I think they'd be a lock for the second round. Okay, but I I could see them making the conference finals, but I, I wouldn't be. I, I probably would have them like like at least third behind the behind Bucks, the Bucks and, the Celtics. and the Celtics. Um I, I also just think that like there's there's so much to just being in the conversation and like we saw with that one total that they won with Kawhi Leonard, like obviously they got past Philly in that incredible like three bounce game winner in, in game seven against um still against Philly. Insane. Still an incredible shot. <laughs> insane. Um just just straight up beat Milwaukee and, and you know, maybe they're not the better team, but they were the better team for those well, they won four seven, in a row, seven so games, they, right? They were the better team. Um and then obviously every Everything that happened with Kevin Durant, funnily enough, tearing his um, hit, tearing his Achilles, and then Kevin Durant, uh, sorry, Clay Thompson tearing his ACL. So, like, I think just being in the conversation, and we we know that Masai wants to just be there, and he, he's actually benefited before from pushing his chips in, just hoping it works because it has just worked um, just a couple of years ago. So, uh, I think I, if if I'm Toronto, and then I, someone has said to me, probably Brooklyn, saying, "Hey." Your offer of Siakam, Gary Trent, and other stuff is better than everything else. Do you want to shake hands on this? I would 100% do that. Because I think even if you don't do that deal and you say it like, yeah, Pascal Siakam might not be the best player on this team two years from now and Pascal Siakam might not be an all-NBA third-team player, 
Um, like, yeah, we, we love the fact that Scotty Barnes is so such a question mark and so so open-ended. But you can also, if you can keep that and get Kevin Durant while also having Fred Van Vliet there, who's very good, I say go for it. Because as soon as you bring in Kevin Durant as well, you might have some questions about the rest of this roster. But then all of a sudden you've got Kevin Durant, you're a title contender, you're in the left in conference, which is easier to get out of. There's going to be plenty of veterans, Ryden. Right. <laughs> There's going to be plenty of veterans just streaming in your way as well that are looking for a ring. Yeah, but I guess then the I guess the conversation then though becomes going back to like let's say that you've got two years of Durant at an elite level. Like if it doesn't happen in those two years, then you're like you're mm. you're not done, but you're asset poor and you've got potentially <coughs> an albatross contract mm. or you move him but for not heaps of value mm. so the the more conservative dare I say cautious side is mm. like Siakam is like 27 and Anobi is like 25 Van Vliet would be like 26 Trent would be 25 and Barnes would be 20 so if you keep that crew together and Barnes and Anobi continue to improve Barnes becomes an All-NBA type player mm and you maybe add some reserves that aren't centers making eight plus million dollars a year, um, then you could have a five-year window. And mm. it's like, well, what, what are your... Is it better to have a 20% chance to win a t- title or a 15% chance to win a title for two straight years or a 10% chance to win a title for five straight years? Mm. I, I'm just not as high on the Raptors long-term as you. Yeah, well, I don't even know that I'm super high and I'm just very mm. trepidatious about about trading yes so much for something two, that's uh, already a year and a half good and getting better mm. for for something that would undoubtedly make you better in the short term but like how short that term is is incredibly unknown cool well um, speaking of already good and getting better the next piece of news here is that a trade between kd and the golden state warriors um i'll say that again good and getting better um is quote highly unlikely unquote according to marcus thompson of the athletic um there were talks and there were reports and NBA Twitter went a little bit crazy when they said, oh my God, they're going to get KD again. Like, And I actually wasn't in love with the idea of that. I would have loved it for the light years aspect of it and just the fact that KD has come back to us. Um, but I, I wouldn't love it as an on-call fit because as soon as you ask yourself, like, what do we have to give up? It has to start with Wiggins. And you're like, man, how fucked is it that you might actually just say no? <laughs> With Wiggins, because then obviously you're gonna have to throw some sweet, nah, sweet. You would, you would, you say, would do it straight up. You would but, say yes. But the the sweeteners on top of that are just you know unpalatable. Talk, well, well. So apparently the so the asking price that's been mentioned um, in in this report from Marcus Thompson is Wiggins, Paul, Kaminga, Moody, and Big Jam. That, sorry, that that wasn't the actual asking price. It was Wiggins plus then two of the rookies. Two sorry, two of the young guys. Fucking do it. Really done. Say less. Uh, not Paul. Okay. Not Paul. But take your pick of the other three. Take two of Kaminga, Moody, and Big Jim, and, and we'll call it a day. Done. Any any picks? Because if this picks, that's so expensive. Well, Kaminga's really good. Not, not yet. <laughs> you like average eight points a game. Yeah, really good eight points. Nah, really, Defended in the Western Conference Really finals. good eight points. I, I, I fully agree, but Kevin Durant. Yeah, but where where was this Dante five seconds ago when we're talking about the Raptors? Well, the the thing with that though is that Golden State right now are way better than the Raptors. Mm. So the Raptors adding KD to give themselves a fifteen percent chance of winning the title. Golden State just won the title. If you mm. add KD, you'll win the title again. Mm. Like that's the, that's essentially the calculus. That instead of being a contender for those two years that KD is still elite, you will be the contender. You will be the best team in the league. Mm. The last time we saw these four guys play together, it right. was literally unstoppable. No, the only thing that could stop it is is a, a, a an Achilles. ACL and a popped and a popped Achilles. So, and I think we win that if Clay stays healthy. But that's yeah. completely well. <laughs> well I, I think Paul is 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 easily the best of those young assets mm. Kaminga maybe he ends up being better than Paul but right now Paul is substantially better than Kaminga mm. Wiggins is a great player at the moment Trevor Reza on steroids yeah but at the same time like I don't want to fall into the the stream of like 
Andrew Wiggins is the best two-way player in the league, which you can't have been hearing because he's done. Please it, come with me. He's done it for he's done it for a year and a half, and he's not someone who's ever had like the offensive skill set that you'd love from like a, an amazing role player. Mm. If the mid-rangers start to come back or the three-point shooting but drops that, off. That's the thing. That's, that was what's, what was so kind of beautiful about this little run is because the mid-rangers did come back because like as soon as, we were, as soon as we were deep in the playoffs and obviously Steph Curry's shots get harder, Clay Thompson somehow looks for harder shots. Like yeah, everything got harder for this team and Andrew Wiggins with like sort of the, the bailout snake dribble mid-rangers. Yeah. This is a different conversation but it actually, different- came, it actually came in handy. It, di- it, di- it, it did come in handy but he's not the sort of operator where I'm like Yep, rely on that. Andrew, yeah. we want you to take five of those again. But as long as there's a guy called Stephen Curry on the court, he's not going to have to do that. I just think that adding, like, taking the best team in the league and then adding KD, the calculus is different than taking the <laughs> 12th best team in the league and adding KD. One of them's much more fun to watch them rise. If but you, can, uh, I, can I say, if if you thought people got angry at KD for joining 73 win Warriors, oh, this is... This is... He... Whew. He will he will stamp himself forever as the beta superstar. <laughs> yeah. Like... Which is probably why he hasn't put down this team as one of his destinations. Yeah. Um, I would I would do it. You, you, you're kind of punting on the whole, like, Spurs-esque plan that the Warriors have in place where we're going to win now and we're going to develop our young guys and then we're going to win later. But if you if you essentially guarantee one more ring, then do it. Because mm-hmm. what what what's the future of a Paul, Kaminga, Moody and Big Jim with Wiggins team? You just, you just it might not be keep Dante happy, man. Do you, remember, might, do you remember two months ago when we had this chat and I said, look, Dante, if we win the title, your argument's invalid. We won the title, and you were saying should have traded for Bill, should have traded for Siakam, right? And we won. Yeah, that's it. That's the end of the conversation. And I'm trying you to can't help you come win. back and say you, you can't come back and restart the argument two months later. I'm not trying to say that. I'm I'm not trying to say that they that they don't have value or they're not right for the team right now because clearly they just fucking won the title with these players playing whatever roles they were playing. It worked. What I'm saying yeah, only is, getting better. What I'm saying is. The uncertainty of that transition um, is is I, I don't think you know compared to the, the certainty of having uncertainty of that transition. Okay, well, <laughs> hypoth- hypothetically, Jordan Poole is not like a like an All NBA level player. Yeah, Wiggins has All Star starter. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Wiggins is not an, Wiggins is not an All NBA level player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kaminga doesn't get there. Moody is not going to get there regardless. I think that's quite obvious. And neither is Big Jim. Like, those are... Like, it, it looks good on paper. They all look good on the court. But there's absolutely nothing that says that this is going to go the way that the Spurs wanted it to. Because the way that the Spurs did it is they just fucking got Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. If none of these guys turn into an All-NBA level player, then... The, the transition from like old to young will just mean going from a one seed to a five seed versus having KD in and just saying, let's pick up two more chips. Uh, the Warriors are currently total favourites to win next season and we haven't made the KD trade. I'm not saying, that the, Warriors, I'm not saying that the Warriors aren't <laughs> good or that this iteration of the Warriors team isn't good. I'm saying this is an opportunity to like make it like fucking unassailable. Okay, okay. Uh, well, anyway, it's highly unlikely, so it's not going to happen. Um, hey, don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> the depth, the the deep, the ugh, the deep two. God, that's a mouthful. Anyways, I'm Marco, co-host of the. Hey, Daniel Gafford, what's the name of our podcast? The JVG NBA Tribute Show. Well, I can't believe it's that easy. Thanks, Gaff. You probably know us as two members of Before Man Weave plus Marco, but we know you as our next listener. Well said, Lucas. I gotta ask, how do we differ from the pack of basketball podcasts? It's a great question, Marco. You see, on our basketball podcast, we have two male co-hosts. Wow, truly groundbreaking. After this episode, stay on your favourite podcasting app and give us a spin. Let's move on to the the two front runners, um, which are obviously the Miami Heat and your Phoenix Suns. Uh, a report coming from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN says that the Nets are in quote consistent contact unquote with both of these teams. Um, 
these teams obviously are going to be more than comfortable to throw in their best offers knowing that KD wants to be there. Um, not that he's going to re-sign or anything because he's got four years remaining on his contract. Um, both teams can offer four plus future first round picks. Now I think those picks are quite questionable as to how good slash bad they will be because obviously both of you guys have very aging um, cores. But um, how do you feel? Kevin Booker's 26. <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel, says, says Cam Johnson, how do you feel um, <laughs> about your your odds being able to, uh, sorry, your your ability to outbid Miami in the KD sweepstakes? Oh, we can definitely outbid Miami because Miami can't offer them because of the... Yeah, the designated rookie. Unless Ben Simmons goes the other way, which would be, which would be monstrous. <laughs> uh, and they, they, they won't offer Butler. Mm. So the, there's there's right, nothing I, really to go there because you're can looking... I, can then, I just say that the offer that we're talking about is Tyler Hero, Cole Lowry slash Duncan Robinson. I think the best offer has Cole Lowry yeah. in it. So Tyler Hero, uh, Cole Lowry, Gabe Vincent... And then four future picks, being two swaps and two yeah, unprotected. Yeah, terrible, terrible. Compared because, to your offer, which is? Well, which is Aiton slash plus Bridges, which right there. <laughs> the fuck's a slash plus? No, well, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't... Hey, and let me just remember Bodmas. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't want to include Bridges mm. in a trade. But if that's the trade plus picks, then it's already way better than... Um, it's it's just it is kind of strange that Brooklyn don't want Aiden because like if they are willing to take back any let's say youngish slash mid twenties player like if, if they're willing to take back a uh, Mikael Bridges why aren't they willing to take back DeAndre Aiden even if you hate him like he's still a dude who has value like may, okay maybe he doesn't have the greatest value when he's getting paid thirty mil a year but he's still a young dude he's like going to get twenty and ten or eighteen and well nine. he's 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 absolute like he's absolute. Basement is a young dude who's going to get twenty and ten. Like he's he right now playing for the Suns, and it might be different if he has a different role offensively mm. in a different system. But right now, playing for the Suns, when he plays like thirty plus minutes, which he doesn't always, he's he is a walking twenty and ten. Mm. He's like one of the premier lob finishers in the game. He's a great screener. He does have pretty good touch on his mid ranges, and he's like a good good defensive center like of the starting centers in the league he's probably one of the 10 best mm. um which is not something that i thought i'd say two or three years ago uh and then the 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 value comes from the fact that he he does have these skills that he's been asked to kind of put on the shelf to focus more of the sun's offense through paul and booker mm which we kind of saw those skills when he was really, really young, his first two years in the league. It didn't always go well, but partially because he was 19 and 20. And playing with that Elliot Cobra. Yeah, well, exactly. The hope would be that if you're talking from a value play, that those skills are latent and can be, like, you know, tapped into again, or that they've developed, and alongside his new appreciation for his role and for doing the little things, like, you could be looking at an all-NBA centre. You, mm-hmm. you really could, which if... You know the the center position. Obviously, like you you want to be really sure about something before you're handing out thirty mil plus. But like if you're paying thirty million plus for a twenty four year old All NBA player, then go for it. Mm. They clearly just don't have that evaluation on mm. if they don't mm. want him. Which, yeah, definitely. Which is, so what what's the best deal that you would? What what's the deal that you think outbids Miami that doesn't include DeAndre? Aiden? Well, it would be Bridges, Johnson, which would take you to like twenty five mil. So you'd need to say throw Saric or something. Yeah, you yeah. need to throw in Saric or Crowder. We'd probably just say Saric and then picks. And then they'll say Crowder and then you'd do picks. <laughs> yeah, well, we want to move Crowder anyway, but it's just that we can't give up our three starting wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why you want to move Jay Crowder. Why, why is that? Um, because he's on he's on nine mil a year and his play has kind of like slipped a little bit. And more less Crowder minutes means more Cam Johnson minutes. Mm. Um, and it also means more room for Cam Johnson. Yeah, um, um, but and by that I mean he's extension eligible and true. he'll be a restricted version next season. I'm trying, I'm trying to play out, play it out on a whiteboard. Um, yeah. All right. So do you? But if you had to put some odds on this, a percentage, a percentage odds. You know what? What are the effing odds that the Phoenix Suns employ one Kevin Durant? You know by training camp. What would you say? I'd say twenty five percent. 
is that higher than every other team? Yeah. Is that higher than the Brooklyn Nets just keeping him? Yeah. I think there'd be a few that are like a 15 or a 20% chance. Mm. And then... Yeah, just outliers. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think I think you guys are the most likely. But, um, yeah, the news coming out again from that same Woj report um, saying that the the Nets, who it, it has seemed like they are a little bit rushed in this situation, the Nets have come out and said, like, look, we are happy to take this into training camp. Um, and, look, if, um, if KD really wants to request a trade with four years left on his deal, he wants to do it, I'm sure, as gracefully as possible. But if the Nets, as we know, Josiah is extremely pissed off with this whole situation, if the Nets are just like, nah, we want you to make this as ugly as James Harden made the Houston situation just to ruin your image, like, they can be spiteful if they're going to lose yeah. 100% of the time. Uh, you get the sense that they would be more accommodating to Durant, who was the guy who, who came yeah but also he's like he's like the one who's least implicated in the fallout of all of this yeah of, of the big three like you you could imagine I don't know what personal characteristics Sean Marks and Joe Sai have but you could imagine that the reasonable person might want to be spiteful towards Kyrie mm. um, and just fucking send him to Orlando yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate that the NBA is so much different than it was like 10 or 15 years ago where that would be the case where like a bad team in the pre-tanking era would be like whoa a chance to get Kyrie let's do it <laughs> let's fucking go all in yeah, and Orlando yeah. would be like we'll give you John Isaac we'll give you like fucking Cole Anthony Cole Anthony yeah. we'll give you who was their guard from last year that they picked Jalen Suggs oh, Jalen Suggs they're like, let's do it, you know. Unfortunately, those kind of avenues don't exist anymore. <laughs> um, but I, I think that Durant is, like, the least implicated and it's reasonable to expect that, like, they would try and facilitate his wishes to some extent. Mm-hmm. How, that also depends on, you know, like, Durant's kind of behaviour during... Which um, apparently has gone dark on both um, other teams who he's trying to get recruited by and the front office altogether. Yeah, well... I mean, it's probably a pretty rough time. <laughs> yeah, it would be. But anyway, this guy's getting paid it. like. <laughs> uh, next piece of news: Bradley Beal, who obviously has signed a five-year, two hundred and fifty-one million dollar deal. Is that the richest deal in the whole entire league at the moment? Nah, Jokic's was. True, because they signed at the same time, and Jokic is better. Um, so obviously he signed his huge, huge, huge deal, uh, but it is that he spent like the last two years trying to. Get it. <laughs> um, it is it has just recently come out um, from Bobby Marks of ESPN that Bradley Beal and his agency have negotiated a no trade clause into that deal. Bradley Beal is now only the tenth player in the history of the NBA to ever receive a no trade clause, uh, and he is the only active player in the whole entire NBA with one um, outside of the qualifying offer dudes like Bruce Brown last year and so on. Um, Steph Curry doesn't have a no trade clause. LeBron James doesn't have a no trade clause. Kevin Durant obviously doesn't have a no trade clause. But Bradley Beal was able to to put one into his deal to make him harder to trade, if. You know, by the tiny, teeny chance he is unhappy with Washington after mm. telling everyone he loves Washington and wants to be the, you know, the one team guy. Um, he's now locked himself up here. <laughs> what did you think when can you saw I, this? Can I tell you the other nine players? Can I guess them? Yeah. Carmelo Anthony? Yeah. Dwight Howard? No. I just realized I only know Melo. Is there some like mid 2000s Antoine Jamison sort of dude? No, nah, they're all like. They're relevant. all very recent. They're, for for, for the, the majority of them have, have played in the 2000s. Man. Uh, Jerron Williams? No. Nah. Okay, I'm, I'm out. All right, LeBron. Yeah. Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Melo. Tick for you. <laughs> Kobe. Dirk Nowitzki. Dwayne Wade. Tim Duncan. David Robinson. John Stockton and Bradley Beal. <laughs> um, All we, Hall of Fame. We were aren't talking. They? We talked. We talked briefly uh, off air before we started this, and and I said, then, and I in the in the the last thirty five minutes, nothing has uh, changed my mind. This has got to be the stupidest decision I I can remember in the NBA because the Beal playbook for the last two to three seasons has been make noises about being unhappy, make noises about potentially wanting to leave via trade Mm. or free agency, then make noises about, I might not even accept the Supermax. Mm. 
if they offer it to me, maybe I'll just take a four-year max from another team when I hit free agency. Mm. And But then look at his offers at the trade deadline and get hand surgery. Yeah, well... Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. he didn't love them. It just seems like the next logical step will be that the Wizards won't be as good as he's demanding they be when he says, I want to compete for a title. Like, you'd assume he's not an idiot and he doesn't think that he's going to win in the next two years alongside Rui and Denny. So if that's the case and the Wizards aren't that good... They just not only gave him the bag <laughs> from which he's secured that simply because he would get 10 million, de- 10 million extra a season than if he just went in free agency to another team. He was clearly, from the moment he signed that, I think I think that it's more likely that he requests a trade in the next two seasons than not. Mm. So giving a player like that a max is like the super max, $50 million a year for someone who was like not that good last season anyway. Mm super risky and then adding the no trade clause like I mean like if he if he says I want to leave and he sits out you're A paying him 50 million dollars to do so and B your range of trade partners is essentially limited to wherever he wants to go which is five teams so Mm -hmm. you can't even cash in on the asset hole you just have to essentially take back whatever salary you can yep I think it's an absolute fucking disaster. <laughs> Even if he averages 40 points per game and he's like one of the greatest scorers of all time since like Will Chamberlain, um, if he if he gets put onto the trade market and Sacramento come calling and say like, oh, we really just need this guy who's such a good scorer. He's like our next 50 drafts, but he doesn't want to go there. They're just done. And it just it just limits all, all leverage from this front office if they ever want to trade him. Like he, he, he will just... It's a no trade clause. He'll just say no, and they just the, the front office has no leverage. They literally just have to bend to his wishes. And then if he says, let's say next year he says, I want to go to Miami and Miami Miami only, Miami's not going to offer, let's say they haven't traded for KD, Miami's not going to offer this massive package that would have gotten KD. They're going to offer literally just matching salary, just enough to get the deal done. And if, if Washington's like, no, we actually want at least one first-round pick, Miami's going to be like, no, well, you know just keep paying him 50 million dollars for the next five years yeah you you really have drastically shrunk the the pool from which you can sample he's he's been all nba once so to be giving is that the covid year uh he averaged 30 points uh it was it was yes it was he averaged 31 he's got two seasons averaging more than 30 which is like unreal he's obviously one of the best scorers in the game definitely one of the two best, probably him and Trey, like guard scorers mm. in the league, which is a wonderful skill to have. Uh, a tremendous value player, but the argument is there that he hasn't been able to, to do that on a winning team. Mm. And the, the Wizards are, are they rolling back essentially the same team? Well, they've got no, they've got no choice because now they just, they just gave their best player an extension. So and, what's going to happen? He was, he was, he had a down year last year when he did play. Um, he only played half of last season mm. so giving a 28 year old who's made one all NBA team um, selection 50 million dollars a year in, in and of itself is, is it's, a, it's a big risk Pascal Siakam has more all NBA teams yeah yeah um, I, I just I just think that it's an absolutely diabolical decision to uh, you, and you put yourself <laughs> you put yourself in the negotiating room as well like obviously his agent has asked for this mm. Like, the answer should be no, we're paying you $50 million a year for the next five years. Like, that's it. I, I actually thought he was going to sign for less than this. I thought he was going to get, like, a, give a tiny pay cut. I, I just didn't think the front office would roll over just so easily. Yeah. It's, it's, I reckon Bradley Beal walked into that room and the front office were all just turtles laying on their backs before yeah. he's even opened the door. And he has made noises in the last, like, year about really loving it in Washington and he wants to build a contender here and said the right things. But I view that more as a... Um, good PR team. Yeah, as a good PR team and also, like, a ploy to kind of get the money. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. he's got the money. If things aren't working out, he's going to be looking at the clock saying, I've been in the NBA for 10 years. I've got four maybe five good seasons left in me I gotta get a chip he's got the bag he's got the ability to choose his destination like now because of the the moves because the decisions the front office has made the world truly is his oyster (laughs) and people who people whose world is an oyster tend to do 
big grand things because they can yeah. and they've fully just given him license to do whatever he wants yeah. um, I, I, I think that the the if you set the over under at 24 months before this all blows up and the wizards are left reeling I would smash the under <laughs> not that we do much gambling on this podcast but we do love the over under pod um, next piece of free agency news that Thomas Bryant has signed a minimum deal with the LA Lakers uh, and he was I've written here promised a starting spot but he was he was actually promised a chance to get the starting spot um, it looks like it's coming from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports it looks like Anthony Davis is just never going to play the five so if you had to pick a center to play next to Anthony Davis pick the one that in theory can shoot threes as opposed to Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee I think this is a fine make good hopefully Thomas Bryant can recoup some of his value because he um, tore his ACL last season hopefully he can recoup some value and not much to say here what, what do you want to talk about well, I think that you, I think that the the theory is fantastic that like he he is a good fit next to AD because when he has been healthy over the last two or three seasons, he's flashed like some really really promising offensive game. Mm. Um, he can shoot threes. He's shot. Uh, he's got two seasons shooting above forty percent on like not insignificant volume. Both mm-hmm. of those were injury shortened, mm-hmm. and it remains to be seen um, how well he'll be able to actually like stay on the court. Um, and last season when he played he didn't look very good <laughs> um, and lost his spot uh, in Washington to the patron saint of the JVG and the tribute show um, Big Dan Dan and certain things like that um, but it's a good flyer I mean he's awful defensively but next to Anthony Davis should be better yeah but if he's next to Anthony Davis it just kind of like becomes again like well one of them has to be near but the you'd river. rather put him next to Anthony Davis than like Ryan Anderson no no of course <laughs> of course absolutely he's like, not going to be bad well he might be but he won't be as bad yeah yeah um, I think it's a good flyer from the Lakers and I think that like this addition signing Lonnie Walker are too like moves that could really kind of pay off in a big way whereas last year out of the guys that they added non-Westbrook division through free agency mm. uh, Malik Monk was really the only one who you looked at and said that's a good signing like yeah, Malik yeah, Monk yeah. could be pretty good on this that team was like Wayne Ellington uh, Avery Bradley yeah but guys who were just over, like over the hill did they add Bazemore yeah, yeah. oh was that Bazemore is just perennially added to every old team. He's yeah. a perennial ring chaser. But there, but there were there were signings where you're like, okay, if this goes as well as it could, it's not going to go that well. Whereas <laughs> Thomas Bryant, like at least highest high, yeah, Thomas high, Bryant high was kind of flashing like top ten offensive center potential mm, a mm. couple of years ago. Um, Lonnie Walker is the sort of like he was drafted with the allure of good shooting guard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he, he it's been four years. He's also he's also like uh, I kind of have a bit of a soft spot for him because he's athletic. He can shoot a little bit. Like he's streaky as fuck. But um, he's a guy who can you know probably fill some of what Malik Monk gave them last mm. year, and they got him for cheap. And he's just another like young guy who can run and jump versus a, a, a team last season that was mm. all old guys and injured guys who couldn't. So I think that the Lakers are kind of making maybe learning from mistakes of. The, the Lakers do have a really good scouting, um, a good scouting department. They just usually trade away the picks before they can actually pick anyone. Um, Lonnie Walker, clutch client. Yeah. Which, you know, just has me a little bit uneasy, even though I do want the best for him because a friend of the pod, Jackson, has a Lonnie Walker jersey, and I'd love to see that go up in value. Is Taylor Horton Tucker now even more expendable slash untradeable on his $10 million a year? Can I? He's now. Can I Taylor Norton not Tucker. To answer. Taylor I, don't, Nor- I don't want to talk about Taylor Norton the, Tucker. On, on, on this segment's edition of um, mismanagement by a front office, Taylor Horton Tucker has a player option for next season. So he's essentially an expiring, which means even if he plays well this season and recovers all of his value, he's an, an he's, expiring. He's dropped out. Yeah. But he, of course, um, he want to stay to be with uh, his uh, agent friend. Um, should we talk about summer league? Yeah, let's let's have some chat chat. So at the, I was actually going to say that. Fuck. So at the you moment, you stole one of my lines last week. So come, what is it? Something good. You know what? It, what? No, it was, two, it was two words. But it was before reading out the Gobert haul. I'd written in the doc. Okay, so ah, and then yeah. a deep an ellipsis, which signified a deep breath. <laughs> and then I was going to like do a bit of a gag and like 
run through it and be out of breath by the end of it. Well, let's but. not um, niece Kylie take that out. The listeners are l- listeners are tearing up, <laughs> thinking about the laughs from last week that they missed. So we actually kind of missed time this, um, and by that I mean we just recorded like usual. But I thought the two K twenty three Las Vegas summer league had actually started by today, <laughs> but it actually um, it actually starts tomorrow because time zones and all that. So the only sample size we've got to go off are the California Classic and the Salt Lake City something something um, summer league. So. So this is this is yeah they're the bad summer leagues, um, but they're also instead of in past years they've been very bad summer leagues with just like absolute bin talent running out there. Um, but this year it's actually gotten a little bit better. Like these summer leagues actually had full rosters, like no no big gym, no Kaminga, but you know these these rosters were were pretty hefty. Um, also, can I say California Classic, Lakers, Warriors, Sacramento, Miami Heat. Um, just don't understand that. Uh, so let's talk about Chet Holmgren. I think it's in California, but should have Californian teams, as as are all of them except for Miami. But I guess Miami just you know I imagine them as the the friends from far away who like they mean really well, they really want to develop their young talent, but their friends just don't really get along as well when it comes to developing young talent. So they don't have like a, a league for themselves. Yeah, they don't have a. There's a, no a Miami show out. <laughs> themselves um so chet holmgren oh i'm sure we'll start start with the chet chat so yeah, yeah 23 points oh in that's his, funny did you come that yourself yeah yeah okay so he came <laughs> out he, he started started off his um summer league beautifully with 23 points um in not many minutes at all he looked graceful out there i actually really liked the way he was handling the ball because you know you see all these lanky skinny dudes and maybe we're just sort of clouded by the the poku pokashevsky sort of you know idea of it but he he looked really smooth whenever he got the ball there was that one where it was an offensive rebound to Josh Giddy. then he caught it and just had a couple of dribbles and then like obviously he's tall enough to dunk from anywhere so it's just just like beautiful um took some really difficult shots off the dribble like KD-esque which again the bluebird was going crazy um but then he followed that up against the Memphis Grizzlies today and going against um the two fat dudes, what are their names? Kenny Lofton. Yeah, and then there's another one. I don't know. Kenneth Loftus Jr. <laughs> Loftus Cheek. <laughs> um, and obviously, like, this is going to be Chet's major issue, like, um, as it was for guys like him in, in Rudy Gobert and, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Chet Ongren is going to struggle against size and strength, and Lofton Jr. just fucking bullied him. And it's not even like, okay, this is Zach Randolph. Like, you're in the NBA. Like, welcome to your NBA moments. Like, no, this is your welcome to your Salt Lake Summer League, 2K23, Las Vegas Summer League. But the welcome to your Summer League moment. Um, uh, and that'll just get better. But I, I, I'm not going to be dissuaded by him just getting overpowered when he's 20 years old. And this is the skinniest we're ever going to see him. Well, do you agree with me on that one? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like, there's no cause for concern because the the, the thing that he's the thing that well. he's well, also the thing that he's doing badly is the thing that everyone knows he's going to do mm. badly including his team and his like, good bits look better no one's expecting him to like match up against a 300 pound guy and like take it in the chest and like repel him yeah um so I, I'm not worried about that at all but I think watching him play offensively kind of has has had me thinking about like what he looks like against proper NBA defenders, but also schemes because I mentioned uh, I think it was last week or the week before like like thinking about how Kristaps Porzingis's career arc has developed, mm-hmm. particularly his offensive role, um, and he obviously doesn't have the handle that Chet does. You're right that Chet looked really smooth, particularly in transition. But against a set D, um, the treatment for big skinny guys, Porzingis, Gobert, has been switching a wing-sized defender onto him. You can't do that on Durant because Durant's just going to pull up from the mid-range and score. Mm. Durant also has a good enough handle to get all the way to the rim. Mm. That's Kevin Durant, though, who's like the all-time like best seven-footer who's skinny. Mm. Like he He's like the best, you know, of, of that body type to ever do it. Mm. So assuming that Chet doesn't become Kevin Durant, the the three options that he'll have like when a, a, a team switches a smaller player onto him is to shoot over the top. Mm-hmm. He'll need to be a really good shooter. So encouraging that he's taking shots off the dribble already mm. for that. Mm. He can post up and try and like body someone in that's obviously not going to happen within the next two to three years probably ever mm. 
or he can take them off the dribble uh, and try and get past them. Now, historically, you don't see big guys taking little guys off the dribble. So what I'm really interested is to see how that handle looks in the half court because mm. a few of his pull-ups and a few of his really nice, like smooth, fluid-looking moves were in transition, semi-transition, like lots of space. Like it really wasn't contested on the handle. So mm. I want to see through the rest of summer league, can he like catch the ball and break someone down? Can he get all the way to the rim from the three-point line, like off of his own dribble? Or is he not going to be that sort of player? Because I think that will dictate his offensive skill set. Mm. Um, he also looked really good as a help defender in the first <laughs> yeah. game. Like, obviously, obviously, the six blocks sitting a summer league record. But, but even even just like watching the highlights, he, he clearly has really good instincts. Like mm. He knows a few times he knows exactly when to rotate over and he came over with some double-handed swats. Like mm. he, he clearly reads the game for that role very well already, which is like, you know, huge because, yep, yep. Like, you know, I- impacting... Impacting the game the way he can with his length mm-hmm. is going to be really important because he is going to come up against guys like Kenneth Loftus-Cheek <laughs> who are just going to bully him. Yeah. Um, so he needs to be able to make an impact defensively by like swatting shots and playing really good help D because there will be moments when he gets exposed. A um, couple of other OKC notes. Josh Giddy, um, obviously he's the... Is he Australian? <laughs> obviously he's the veteran here, being a second-year player. But I, I rarely actually like see this and actually recognize it because when you're watching the NBA or, or any professional league, like everyone knows what's going on. But Josh Giddy, like, just watching him play against bad players, he is so in control of what he's doing and he knows exactly where the pass is going in. That's what he they teach you at St. Kevin's. He had a couple of beautiful passes there. Um, he, he, he there's did. one in particular. Just... a a fingernail yeah, over yeah, yeah to the yeah, corner yeah. um another another note uh osman osman zheng yeah um was not even getting thought about when he was behind the three-point line um yeah. like not even the defense was just five on four um and then jalen williams i can't tell you which one but it was the cool looking one he as he can jump very high <laughs> um and yeah he had a couple of like two-footed dunks where he just got up and it was just like you know one step into two feet. I think he's like six five, six six. Like he's a wing size dude, um, and you know he's auto- he's already up there. The one that they took in the second round or the first round? I couldn't tell you, um, but his name is Jalen Williams, and he is a very very nice dunker. Like one of those dudes where as soon as he dunks it, it makes like a sort of popping sound on the ring because um, he just slams it that hard. And like yeah, you know, it, it's in Salt Lake City. There's like five people watching outside of GMs and scouts. Um, but he he was getting very loud, and Josh Giddy was just like sort of laughing because this dude's like putting 110 percent into the Salt Lake City. And he's already drafted; like he's got a roster spot. Um, but yeah, OKC okay, so looking good. They're my favourite to win the uh, 2K20 to 23 Las Vegas Summer League. What about yourself? Uh, yeah. Yep. Good. Uh, yep. Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray, speaking of looking comfortable, looking like they know what they're doing and just being in the right place, good instincts. Um, again, this isn't like, holy crap, this dude's going to win Rookie of the Year. This is this dude's playing against bad players and you expect to see them play very well. So very encouraging. I think we can say very much similar things as we did in the chat chat. Um, but the Keegan conversation is, is definitely a good NBA player so far. It's looking that way. Yeah, well, like, you... You want to just say that they can step into like a sub a sub NBA level of competition and like look good. And mm-hmm. he, what did he do in his first game? Like 20, 26 points in twenty eight minutes or something. Something like four or five threes, and then the rest of his he was like four or five out of seven. The rest of his team was over fifteen. Yeah, so he he looks he looks good, which is like yeah, not a high bar to clear, but the fact that he is clearing it comfortably is extremely encouraging, especially because it feels like this is a pick with a lot riding on it because he was considered a reach and because well can, can I just say I, I thought it was a reach too but then I was listening to the game theory pod with Sam Vecini, um, and noted he, Essendon fan <laughs> and Melbourne resident Sam Vecini. Uh coming from America he um he said that with with the the front office members he spoke to from because heaps of people try and trade up and, and pick Jaden Ivey 
but the Pacers and the Spurs had discussions with the Kings to trade up, and they said if we got that fourth pick, there is a 100% chance we would be taking Keegan Murray as well. So I feel a little bit better about the pick because obviously the Kings have a history, especially with their owner, just saying, hey, this is our dude, pick him no matter what, I don't care, even if he's supposed to go seven. But I feel a little bit better knowing that they're not alone on this Marvin Bagley Island. Yeah, but I guess the... By the way, you know, I meant instead of a Keegan Murray Island. Yeah. Wait, I don't, I don't get it. What's a joke? No, no joke. Okay. I'm just clarifying. Yeah, no, I, I, I understood. Call I me understood. butter. <laughs> um, now I've lost my train of thought. Keegan Murray wasn't much of a reach. Well, it, it, the the conventional wisdom is that Jaden Ivey is going to be boom or bust. Mm. Uh, you know, if he doesn't, you know, hit his ceiling, like it's it's likely that he'll maybe kind of be like maybe more of a Moutier type than like a you know a John great Moran. like a great like a well like n- not even John Rant. I mean, like he's he's probably more likely to be a Moutier than he is a Brogdon. You know, he's not just going to be that rock solid starter who a couple of years might be in the All Star conversation, but like mostly not really that good. Mm. He's probably going to be really good or really bad. Mm. And the thing with Keegan Murray is that he's probably going to be good you know just is he going to be great is he going to be great is he going to be great uh, as great as his team needs is he going to be you know better than like a really good role player which is a reach at the fourth pick now obviously he hasn't even played a fucking game yet we're talking about (laughs) summer league so these conversations are all kind of moot but the Kings taking a guy who might have been perceived around the league as a bit more of a role player number four Mm -hmm. than taking a high ceiling a guy. A high ceiling guy. If one of the high ceiling guys that they meet, they, they, they skip on like pops and in two years time it's the Kings still rattling around with Fox and Sabonis and like a collection of role players, it's going to be really sad. Um, but you don't get it. They have to make the playoffs next season. Um, Who's their coach now? Uh, I don't even, I fully don't even fuck. Uh, who is the Warriors assistant? Mike Brown. Mike Brown, yeah, Mike Brown, who at the moment has a defensive, um, defensive reputation after being the defensive yeah, we'll coordinator see. for the Warriors. Yeah, when his centre is Sabonis, we'll see. Um, over, was... over under one and a half weeks when he loses that reputation. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll hit the under just for a laugh. Um, there was a, a really good segment on one of the latest, um, the end of season episodes of NBA Desktop. That's not what it's called anymore. It's called All Caps NBA, <laughs> uh, where Jason Concepcion and Co were watching one of Mike Mike Brown's introductory press conferences. Yeah, yeah. And there was a bit where they were like, "Are you happy to come to Sacramento?" And he was like, "Like when I got the when I got offered the job, I asked a lot of my family and friends who live in the area, like, what's the place like?" And I can tell you honestly that nobody said anything bad about the place. <laughs> and, they were like, yep, yeah, well, that's a pretty weird way of putting it. When you could have just said, and everyone raved about the place. The bar to clear is that no one has said anything bad about he's, the Sacramento area. He's a bit of a, um, he's a bit of a meme. Like, yeah, he, he speaks a little bit weird. He looks a little bit funny. And he does Dray- look a little bit funny. Draymond used to always make fun of him because he used to get really invested in defense and start yelling and stuff. And Draymond would just be like, calm down, man. Like, you've literally got steam coming out of your ears. Like, he, yeah. he's a bit of a meme. Um... I said it last week I'll say it again I'm actually going to watch the Kings and I think I'm going to enjoy it I'm not going to say they're going to make the playoffs but I'm going to enjoy it let's get Nice Kylie to clip that <laughs> and I'll play it back to you in like not even I'll play it back to you this year I'll play it back to you in December and we'll see how many Kings games you've watched um, just to wrap up we'll talk about the aforementioned Kenny Lofton Jr um, who I saw on Twitter described as Grant Williams if Grant Williams ate Grant Williams um, really fucking cool just to see him overpower fucking everybody and he hit a step back three and he hit a three over Chet uh, pretty if you cool. want if you want proof of the anti-Zion media agenda where's the <laughs> Kenny Lofton fat conversation where is it or is it so obvious that he's really fat that there's no one needs to have the conversation because it's just a given? Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's uh, let's wrap things up because that's a terrible way to end things. Well, hopefully next time we chat, we'll we'll be um, running a Kevin Durant segment off the top again. But there's actually been a trade, and hopefully Mikael Bridges is still on the Suns. Yeah, I reckon not. Um, anyway, Dante, I'll speak to you next week. If you look for PointsBet's stock exchange listing, you'll find a bucket of jargon and doublespeak as they're considered a, quote, wagering services operator, unquote. 
That's a corporate stretch for the colloquial friendly Brogan or, hey, look, it's Chris Bosch kind of image they're sending off with their targeted advertising. I don't know about you, but take me back to the days when former pro sports players signed brand deals with hair loss clinics or Fujitsu aircons, not, quote, wagering service providers. If you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you come across the two of our faces morphed into one, would that make you listen to our podcast more? I mean, if it does, let us know and we'll start doing it. But when I see a few NBA players' faces morphed into one, it doesn't make me want to pull out my wallet and donate some money to my local wagering services provider. The worst part is we're coming to accept it. Gambling ads are, sorry, wagering service provider ads are so ingrained in our sports and the way sports is delivered to us, it's almost impossible to avoid. Three quarters of Australian children aged between 8 and 16 years who watch sport think that betting on sport is normal and can name more than well one or more sport betting companies. When I was in school, I was struggling to remember Pokemon names and I'd be furious if I knew that brain power was being used to put towards wagering service providers and not them. The wagering service providers know exactly who to target. It's not okay to let them ingrain themselves in young Australians' minds. It's not okay to target people in the middle of a pandemic, and it's not okay for gambling companies to wield so much influence in the world of sports. To help kick gambling out of sport, use your voice and sign the petition at www.ngamblingads.org.au forward slash petition.